Hello and welcome to Six Figure Authors, the show that helps you take your writing career to the next level. I'm Lindsay Baroker and I'm here with my two co-hosts. I'm Andrea Pearson. And I'm Joe Lalo. And this week we've got a guest for you guys, Kevin Tumul- Tumlinson. I always want to make you Tumlinson, Kevin. That's I'm sorry. Fine. I'll answer um, to either one of those. Excellent. Well, he is a thriller author, but he also works at Draft to Digital. And uh, we're going to be asking him a bit about D2D's recent acquisition of Smashwords, what that means for authors, and also a bit about where the industry is heading. And in the second half, we'll work in some questions. Uh, you know, see if he can give us some tips for all of you guys that are uh, shunning the Amazon exclusivity thing and going wide with your books. So, but I'm, I'm guessing some of this advice will be useful for Amazon authors too. Um, probably. Yeah. Possibly so. Possibly some of it works everywhere. Kevin, welcome to the show. And um, you want to tell us about yourself and how you got yeah. involved with draft to digital I mean, first, thanks for, thanks for having me on. I, I, I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, so I mean, I am uh, the director of marketing and uh, PR for Draft Digital. I'm also an author, like you mentioned, uh, a best-selling and award-winning author. I like to throw that in because it makes me feel really good about myself. Uh, but yeah, and I've been doing this stuff. I've been in the industry since it was practically since it was invented. Uh, this particular subset of the industry. I was having a whole conversation uh, or uh, did an interview on Joanna Penn's podcast with Mark Coker. And uh, we sort of discovered that, you know, he founded Smashwords at the same time that I was uh, kind of venturing into self-publishing. So been at it for a while. <laughs> yeah. So you were an author for quite a while first yeah. before getting involved yes. with D2D, right? How did, how did you yeah. end up working there? So I have a, I had a podcast. Uh, it's kind of on hiatus right now, but I had a show called the Wordslinger podcast and I interviewed, um, Dan Wood, who is currently the uh, the chief operating officer of Draft Digital. Back then, I think he was, I don't remember what his title was, but he was kind of the uh, representative of D2D on podcasts and that sort of thing. And I uh, I interviewed him. And after the show, I told him I had a, uh, a copywriting and marketing business. And I said, you know, if you guys ever need any marketing help, um, I love I love your brand. I love what you do. And I'd be happy to help out. And they just so happened to have lost their director of marketing at that time and needed needed help with launching uh, Universal Booklinks, of all things. So I helped them with that launch. And it just sort of evolved into me joining the team. That was 2016. So um, I've been with them ever since. I, I don't actually have to be with them. That's what that's what's been really great about this is, you know, the the writing and the book stuff. Uh, bought this house actually the one I'm in now I mean this is the house the books built uh, but we uh, I like the company so much I like the team so much that it's just one of those things I, I just felt like I had to stick with them so here we are that's pretty cool I mean if you can find something you're passionate about it doesn't I mean, it makes work much much yeah. easier <laughs> yeah and authors authors in, in indie authors in particular are something I've been passionate about for you know, I think around a decade now. So yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I wanted to know just, I mean, I've known who you are for like a million years, <laughs> like, like the rest of them. Um, <laughs> but what, what, what is your story when it comes to publishing, like indie traditional, I mean, all of that, what led you yeah. down, um, down the path you are now at? I, I tell everybody that I, um, I wrote my first book at five years old. Uh, when I was like, I wrote it on big chief notepad uh with one of those big fat practice pencils and i uh 
uh, started writing professionally at like 12, uh, started you know, writing for the local newspaper and doing like a team beat coverage kind of thing. So I've been paid to write for a very long time. Uh, my self-publishing career started as um, I had a traditional contract uh, back in like 2006. And uh, because I can do basic math, um, I started kind of working out, you know, the contract basically made it so that I had to pay for essentially all my own expenses in, in uh, marketing and travel. I had to do like this kind of a junket uh, to promote the book. And uh, I, I figured out pretty quick that the advance they gave me wasn't going to cover all that. Um, so I actually, you know, I couldn't, I, it was one of those things, it was one of those rare instances where success led to failure. You know, I couldn't afford to, uh, to follow through on the contract. So I actually uh, bought out my contract on that had to sell my motorcycle uh, to uh, to pay the rest of it off because I'd already spent some money. But I paid that out and then ended up um, kind of thinking my career was over. And then like a year or two later, I kind of stumbled onto the basically the new era of self-publishing. You know, I came across Smashwords. Uh, I came across whatever the original name for CreateSpace was. And uh, decided, you know, I would give that a shot. And I sort of did it. Um, my brother-in-law and I and a good friend, uh, we all were working on a, uh, a what would have been a, the, one of the first web series, basically. Uh, we were thinking, you know, we'll create this, this series and we'll put it on YouTube. Because there was no Hulu or Netflix or anything at that point. And uh, I wrote a treatment for the series and turned it into a book to kind of get my head around it. And decided I would publish that book. And that was sort of the start of the whole thing. So once I figured it out, I mean, that was that was it. I was in love with the whole process and owning it end to end. <laughs> That's excellent. It's funny. Like a lot of people who get started in, uh, in self-publishing got started there because they failed to get a traditional thing. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly think that if I succeeded and discovered that I couldn't afford to be a traditional author, I probably <laughs> wouldn't have gone self-pub because I would have assumed, well, I... I got to the end point and it was not like I, yeah. what, what's self pub going to do for me? Like it probably, I probably wouldn't have a career if I, if I succeeded. That's the, that's the great irony is that uh, I've probably spent four times as much, uh, you know, on self publishing and promoting myself in, in the first couple of years of, of doing it than I would have cost me with the traditional contract. So, <laughs> yeah, but you know, and, and I'm not, uh, I don't want to down uh, traditional publishing, by the way. I mean, I, I do think as an author, you make a lot more money as a self-published author and your chances are much higher uh, for your, your success. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily turn down a traditional contract. Um, I've kind of toyed with, I've had a, I've had agents approach me. I've had um, publishers approach me for things and the deals just were never quite right. Uh, but if the deal was right, I, I'd probably do it just because it, I would look at it as a marketing venture, honestly. Yeah, it's it's got a it's got a somewhat separate and non-overlapping audience that you can access. Yeah. It's like it's like people exactly. are gigantic on YouTube and, and then go for a TV deal. Yeah. Um, all right, but we're gonna move into our next little section here, which is yeah. sort of the the draft to digital smash words merger and future of of authors. Uh, I got first question on it. Uh, I'm a smash words author from way back um, since 2010 ish, yeah. uh, and as as such, I have had. A lot, I have not had a lot of experience with Draft Digital. I've been Smashwords the whole time. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what changes fans of either service can expect? Yeah. Um, 
you know, we're trying to take, we're, we're going to take the, the sort of best pieces of both platforms and, and meld them together, you know? Um, and that, that sounds easy. It, it will be challenging and it's going to take a year or two to kind of get our feet under us. Uh, but we're already starting to integrate certain things, but you know, on the Smashwords side, um, Smashwords publishers get access to a lot of, uh, the tools that we've built over the years, like, you know, access to our, um, automated in matter and publishing tools and templates and things that we do, the books to read, uh, universal links and things like that. But one of the things that Mark Coker was very excited about was, um, access to DDD print, which is our print on demand service is currently in beta. It's not going to be in beta for much longer. I can tell you, I mean, we're, we've, that's what we've spent the majority of the past two years working on and getting right. Um, and the only reason that it's in beta is because we were basically transitioning between printers. Um, and so we wanted to make sure that, you know, we, we didn't crash the thing uh, while we were testing it, but it's a fully functional uh, print on demand service is what I've been using for like two years now uh, for all my print books. But so Smashwords authors gain access to that kind of stuff. And Vice versa, draft to digital's authors, you know, we're we're going to gain access to things like the Smashwords store, which I'm incredibly excited about. I can't wait to see that meshed with books to read, you know, like I just think there's that's a natural fit right there. Um, and the Smashwords coupons, that's something that our authors have asked about famously um, our CEO, Chris Austin, several years ago, actually, before I started with draft to digital had made a promise that we would introduce coupons. And then it sort of turned out that it was just too too challenging to uh, to pull off. Like there was no real way for us to pull it off. And uh, so now we'll actually be able to follow through on that promise like 10 years later. Uh, but things like that. And Smashwords, uh, you know, Mark's been, Mark Coker has been pursuing the um, Smashwords pre-sales as a, as a patent. Um, and that's something interesting that I'm looking forward to kind of playing around with. And it's, that's the ability to sell, um, your books before they go, you know, the pre-order releases, uh, sort of a direct sale kind of thing. And that's the sort of things that are only possible because of the Smashwords store, you know? So all those things, um, you know, Smashwords authors are going to gain all the draft to digital options. They don't have to use our automated uh, formatting and templates and stuff, but they can, if they prefer to use the, uh, the meat grinder, which I'm really I'll be honest, hoping we're going to rename, but if, if they're going to use the meat grinder, if they like that and like manually formatting, they still get to do all that. Um, so yeah, there's, it's sort of interesting to, to watch. We've, we've worked in parallel all these years, these two companies, and there are things that were, as Mark says, uh, duplicative. Um, but there were also things that we did separately that are just yearning to be a part of each other. I just, it's like the romance for the ages, you know, I'm waiting to see what we produce uh, when we, when we sort of put these, this peanut butter and jelly together. So, yeah, I think I answered your question in there somewhere in there. Okay. <laughs> I'm really excited to hear that coupons are not going away because that was one of my favorite parts of being a Smashwords author, you know, yeah. was using those coupons. They're fantastic. And I do have to say, I mean, this is having draft a digital buy or, acquire <laughs> smash words is is it feels like a really really nice fit and yeah. um 
it kind of, I'm wondering about the authors. Like I use both draft digitals and Smashwords, you know, almost equally. Uh, I did have a merchandiser with Smashwords, but I'm just wondering if the authors who are like, I hate Smashwords. I wonder how they feel. <laughs> just kind of, I, I love it. I think it's fantastic. <laughs> I can tell you how they feel because we've, we've heard them uh, oh, no. <laughs> and on both sides. Uh, it's really interesting. So there are the, there's definitely the Coke versus Pepsi thing happening um, where some, some authors are just like adamant that they're smash words all the way and they hate D to D or vice versa. Um, but I think that's the, that's the change gnomes, right? That's the change gremlins. Um, people don't like change and I get it. Uh, you know, there's certain aspects of this that are going to be kind of painful for some authors. Um not really that they're losing. No one's losing anything. That's that's what I think authors really need to know is that nothing's going away. In fact, it's only enhancements uh, going forward because uh, er- that was the whole point of the of the acquisition and the merger was we saw the strengths. Each of us saw the strengths that the other had. Um, and one of the biggest things, the biggest strength really, um, is that both companies legitimately were founded with the author in mind like smashwords when they started back you know 14 years ago i think i think at this point was um yeah 14 years so when they started you know you you listen to mark coker he'll tell you the whole point was creating something that that helped to make independent authors successful um competitive with traditional publishers um, that was the exact same premise behind draft digital you know both companies were f- founded by authors both companies employ authors both companies understand authors from the genetics up and so um, no one's losing a thing in this I, I, I the erotica authors i think are the most worried um, and i think it's because because of certain misconceptions about draft digital and our policies on erotica like we've We've never tried to enforce um, like personal views on erotic or anything. And I think that's where people think we are. Uh, the only thing we ever enforced was when our retailer said, we don't take this. You know, if they don't take a certain type of erotica, then we can't deliver it. And we are stringent about that because we can't jeopardize that relationship with that retailer or all the authors get screwed. So um, I think that over the years, um, there's been certain opinions formed about us based on that stuff. Um, and people are worried about it. But the, the reality is we're not we're not kicking out any erotica authors out or any authors out. The whole point is to be much more inclusive. And so that's what we're, that's what we're doing. That's really awesome. Um, I did, you did mention, I mean, or I mentioned, I can't remember my, I'm very tired today. <laughs> I, guess, I feel you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but okay. So yeah, I, I mentioned it. Um, I had a smash, I had a smash words merchandiser, you know, who would reach out to me every time there were promos across the different retailers. And he got me in a whole lot of really awesome ones. And then my life fell apart and I moved all my books to KU because <laughs> I couldn't manage my business anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, which was really, really a really tough period of time. Um, but anyway, so I'm looking into going back wide again, but um, for those who have merchandisers with Smashwords, and I don't, I'm not assuming I still do because, you know, it's been two and a half years, but how will the acquisition affect them? Are, are those people still going to be there? Like Kevin, you know, and all, the, all these really awesome yeah. people who work over at Smashwords. I mean, how does this affect that end of things? All that stays like no one, no one is leaving the company, uh, at least not, not because of the acquisition. I mean, if someone leaves, it's because they chose to, um, uh, 
or, you know, they pulled a knife on somebody or whatever. Uh, but, you know, right now, everyone who is everyone you've come to love and depend upon uh, in either platform is still there and is still there for the foreseeable future. Um, that was one of the great things about this deal, by the way, was that, you know, the two companies are essentially coming in intact. Um, and it was like, it was a no cash deal. It's all, you know, it's, it's all about, um, merging really. I mean, it's called an acquisition, but it really is sort of a merger. You know, we're, we're merging the resources and cultures of two very light companies. You know, we've been talking now for the year. Here's what's, here's what's amazing to me. This started in November of last year (laughs) with an email, right? Chris Austin emails Mark Coker and says, I still think that together we can do something for the indie author community. And that was the line that caused Mark to start talking. You know, he's had people approach him for acquisitions and things before. And, uh, and that really, I don't, from what I gather was not necessarily what Chris Austin was asking about, you know? That's what's kind of funny. It, it, it seems to me like Chris was saying, hey, why don't we work together? And Mark's like, hey, why don't we join forces? <laughs> That's what it seems to have come to anyway. Well, you know, it's good when, when things come in from both sides like that, you know. Yeah. Uh, it definitely leads to a more balanced output. I remember mm-hmm. I remember I, I first encountered Draft to Digital. Uh, I went to a Book Expo America one time and, uh, well, two times. And I remember I was like, oh, this is, this is like smash words. I use the phrase, this is like smash yeah. words. And I talked to the folks that were there. One of them for all I know may have been you. My memory doesn't work that way. But, uh, <laughs> I understand. And I was just like, um, well, do they this, this, this? And I checked off everything except for coupons and storefront. And I was just like, all right, cool. And I remember when I got to coupons and storefront, like they were, the, the representatives there were like, uh, <laughs> like they were fully aware that I finally found something that wasn't on the list. So yeah, you know, again, at long last, it's going to be a part of it. So I got, you'll find a lot of my questions here are kind of nuts and bolts questions because, uh, okay, you know, indie authors are doing everything themselves. So you sort of got to know this stuff. That's um, Smashwords users and Draft2Digital users obviously are used to working on a different backend. They have different logins and all that stuff. Like once the merger is complete, is everyone going to be like, well, we'll start with, are you going to get a new login if you're a Smashwords person? So um, there are logistics like that that we are still uh, working out. Like what's the what's the best way to handle that? Um, I, we've talked about this somewhat, not in detail, um, but you know it is. Uh, Chris is really big on like how do we solve problems like that? So he's going to come up with some solutions. I'm sure Mark Coker will as well. And I always have to say Mark Coker, by the way, because we have. A, Mark Leslie Lefave, uh, yeah. formerly of Kobo on the staff too. Like we we doubled all the names on our team with this merger. Um, but anyway, uh, what it looks like is uh, we'll probably eventually find a way to merge the two logins, and everybody just uses their the same login. They get access to everything. Uh, when that happens, that's that's the big mystery and. It's possible possible that we might have to change certain things about that as well. But right now it looks like everything's pretty copacetic. I don't I don't see anyone uh having to make major changes to how they access the, the system that they're used to. We will be updating the Smashwords um like user interface and and uh 
and the whole user experience though i mean that that's that's like number one on the list that's certainly one of the strengths that the the draft digital has over smash words yeah. is the, the general ux is a lot more modern and, and user-friendly um and the other question i would have in this sort of area is there are authors who have books in both Smashwords, will have accounts in and books in both Smashwords yeah. and Draft to Digital. And they're just, you know, switching off and on different distribution partners to avoid overlap. Uh, mm-hmm. So what are we going to, what, what is going to be the result of people who have already are on both services? Like, yeah. Are they going to show up as two separate authors or, or like, is there going to be a way for those to be merged? So there are challenges there that we're still working on. Um, we've already talked to some of the, the uh, sales partners like Apple about, you know, is there going to be a problem if there's two uh, versions of the book so that, or can we merge them for keeping like reviews and things like that? Uh, it's looking like that's not going to be a, too big of a problem. Um, and when it comes to uh, books on both platforms, you know, we're looking at like which, which is going to offer the author the best deal the best return um and then we go with that uh we do have to communicate with those retailers because we can't just decide oh smashwords has a better rate with you know script or something and so we're going to go with them uh we have to actually uh, make sure we're talking to these retailers and we negotiate terms and in some instances we're actually renegotiating uh terms across the board um to see you know because frankly you know we're bringing in like eight hundred fifty thousand titles now that's that's uh that's significant numbers i mean that's that's wake people up and make them pay attention numbers so uh it does give us a certain amount of leverage out there when it comes to negotiating terms so yeah these technical i know i know everyone wants to know like how's this going to work and it's unsatisfying to hear us say things like we're working on it, uh, but we're working on it. <laughs> uh, we do we do have a roadmap for um, some of what's going to happen. We do know some of what's going to happen, uh, but we're also kind of still discovering like, oh, you do that. And we did, we do that poorly. Uh, and so we're looking at how we merge those two things. And that's what the next like year or so is probably going to be about. Hilariously, I already have double versions of some books out there. Same just, here. Just you know? like, you know, you upload it, you start uploading direct, and then yeah. you don't remember, or you didn't click. You thought you clicked, don't distribute to Apple, I'm doing it myself. And then yeah. a year later, you're like, why is my book in here twice with like two different covers? But yeah. Things that happen once your catalog gets kind of large. Yeah. And, you know, Chris has actually acknowledged that there aren't really that many cases of, of that sort of thing for us to deal with. Um, you know, it sounds like it would be a big problem, but the reality is there are, there are, aren't as many people doing both platforms as you might think. Uh, even though we, we both hit different, um, retailers, you know, I mean, we, we hit a lot of the same retailers and you would think that there would be more people using like, if they're on DDD, they use Smashwords to reach the re- the retailers we don't reach. There aren't as many cases of that as you might think. So it's probably not going to be as big a problem as people maybe fear that it would be. Yeah. It's probably mostly just the authors like us who have been around yeah, <laughs> since exactly. it was only Smashwords. So we all started with it and then you guys came along and were kind of slicker. So, but I feel yeah. like almost anybody who started like 2015 or later probably just went with draft digital and, and never even checked out Smashwords. Yeah. So I don't know. Oh, Smashwords um, has a pretty loyal base. I mean, 
quite a few authors really prefer Smashwords over Draft Digital. So, well, it's don't, nice. Don't because, sell them short <laughs> because of the store. Because I know yeah. I still have people that are, especially international people, that that's the easiest way for them to get the book without having to pay like extra <laughs> yeah. fees and stuff from the other stores. So whenever we get somebody on who's gets to see a lot of books and sort of what's going on in the industry, I always have to ask how, how things are going out there. You know, we, we always get the impression that Amazon is super dominant and just killing everybody else. But yeah. is that true? Or could you tell us kind of how the other stores are doing here in 20? Absolutely. Amazon is uh, like, they are super dominant, right? We do, We all know that. Um, the thing is people, here's what's this is what's actually kind of fantastic about this acquisition um together draft digital and smashwords now is in the position of we will know more about the self-publishing industry than literally anyone else on the planet like no one else is going to have the kind of data that we have no one and so uh except perhaps amazon and amazon ain't talking so uh, for the first time in our history in this business, indie authors will start to be able to see some of this data that they've never been able to get out of Amazon. Um, so, and what we're going to do with that, I mean, we're already talking, I'm already talking to, um, to the team internally about, you know, how do we, how do we leverage this? What do we, what do we present? We're talking about doing a, a recurring, I haven't decided if, it, if it's enough to do something monthly but perhaps at least quarterly we're going to be doing a uh, state of the industry kind of kind of blog post and perhaps a, a podcast you know we've got our live stream uh and podcast self-publishing insiders so um we're looking at how do we leverage that in terms of how we're doing i mean the as a as an industry self-publishing has done fantastic over the past, especially the past two years, let's just look at two years, okay? Something happened two years ago, not going to say what, but it uh, it really pushed people to start consuming more content online. And when they ran out of Netflix, a lot of them turned to eBooks. And uh, so what we've been seeing is a huge spike in eBook sales over the past two years. And we really thought, well, come 2021, that'll that'll drop. And it did, but what it did was drop to a level much higher than it was in previous years and stayed there and has stayed there ever since. So um, the, on that front, just on the ebook front alone, the industry, our industry has been doing incredibly well and uh, library sales are up. Everything is up. So, you know, will that continue forever? There's no way to know, but um, every, every scrap of data we have indicates that it, at the very least, we've leveled off at a, at a level much higher than we were in, say, 2018, 2017, and, and whatever, you know, whatever years before that. Um, so, yeah, I think, and what I'm starting to see, and I'm seeing this on a personal level, too. Like, I pulled, there was a time, there was, for a time, I had books that were in KU as well as wide, okay? Um, not the same books, but I had books that were wide, and I had books that were in KU, uh, no rule breaking was going on here, but the books in KU did great uh, for, you know, the first few years. Um, and then what I started to notice was my sales on Amazon were starting to equal the KU uh, page reads, right? Um, and so I last year pulled all those books out of KU and everything I have is wide now. 
and I'm I have actually exceeded my page reads um, in in um, wide sales. So that was something that was not happening very easily in the years before. So the books that I had wide have done okay, but now they're starting to increase and improve uh, in sales uh, on all on other platforms. So one I I can only sort of assume that what that what's what is happening is that all those readers who are discovering ebooks now discovering that they're okay with ebooks and they don't need a quote real book i hate when people say that but they only need a print book uh in order to enjoy that content i think they're they're out there and they're not exclusively amazon i think we're actually seeing an awakening of readers on other platforms so you know i don't know what your sales Lindsay. you 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 probably laugh me in sales by by several billion dollars i don't know uh but i know that you have a huge audience i don't know how great you do wide but um i'm sh- i I, I bet i could put a i bet i could put a bet on it that you are doing better wide now than you were two years ago <laughs> i'm actually not but that's because okay. well, i've been, bet. <laughs> yeah well making more series exclusive with amazon and i've been slower to pull them out and make them wide so i've seen things yeah. drop off so i don't really know the i don't have my finger on the pulse and i'm, I'm curious if, i don't know if you can tell us this like which store is like your number one i, I assume you guys either don't distribute to amazon or it's more limited oh, but yeah, do, okay okay yeah. aside from amazon yeah. If you can say like it's Apple, uh, yeah, Dog, or... I can't give like specific numbers or anything, but uh, yeah, Apple is definitely our uh, a high is actually our highest retailer um, in, in terms of sales. Um, Amazon is actually very low from our platform because most people go direct to Amazon. Um, I think Kobo is the second highest at this point. So, which actually reflects in my personal sales too, like. You know, there's Amazon top of the top of the run, top rung, and then Apple, and then Kobo, uh, and uh, unfortunately, Barnes and Noble has just sort of been slowly, you know, dwindling and and getting smaller and teensier and teensier. Um, and I think that's because they just, for whatever reason, they reject ebooks altogether. <laughs> <laughs> I just I don't think they see it as a viable business uh for them or they don't they don't want it to be a viable business for them. That's not an official statement on the part of Draft Digital by the way. That's Kevin Tomlinson's views. <laughs> but uh that's that's the way I see it. But I was just curious because I feel like most people, you know, obviously everybody only has so much money to spend on advertising. And when you're yeah. wide, if you try to go like $5 a day to each store, it may not be as effective as <laughs> trying to focus on one or two stores. Yeah. So it sounds like Apple may be a, a good one to look at. for. People yeah, I think Apple. That's um, Amazon. The, the advantage of Apple, of course, is that, you know, however many billion people on the planet have an iPhone, ha- automatically have the, uh, the Apple Books store. And um, Apple doesn't do as good a job at promoting um indie authors and and their work as as i'd like them to do uh but they do some promotion and and quite a bit of it uh and in fact we have you know my wife kara is actually our uh promotions manager here at draft digital and she's the one who is in contact with apple and and uh, all the other retailers and she's she's done quite a few apple promotions i mean so they they do probably more promotion than any other platform through us um, so, you know, they, they are out there. It's just kind of sometimes hard to find 
those promotions on Apple. But yeah, if I were putting my money, if I were if I were pressed to say where would you put your money on advertising, I'd say Amazon and Apple. Uh, Kobo perhaps um, Kobo has its own sort of promotions platform. If you go direct to them, um, but for reaching a wider audience uh, globally, I think I'd say Kobo is probably your best bet. And Nook just disowned you. <laughs> I know. You know, I really want to love Nook. I, you know, that's where it all started for for most of us, right? Everyone yeah. wanted to be in Barnes and Noble. But, um, you know, if you listen to their CEO, uh, he has very little respect for the platform. I mean, follow them on Twitter, man. It's hilarious. They're very self-deprecating. Like, you know, hey, we're still around, you know, and (laughs) it's just, it's funny to watch, but it's also kind of, it's like pathetic sad, you know? (laughs) So, but yeah, and I've interacted with them on Twitter and I'm like, you know, I don't know how to feel about this. Like, I want you to succeed. Um, but at the same time, I kind of, I'm kind of enjoying you wa- watching you implode. <laughs> no, I just wrote down pathetic sad. I think that's my favorite yeah. word today. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So, uh, so where tips and advice for succeeding in stores beyond Amazon are concerned. Um, mm-hmm. I have, I have a couple questions here. I'll just ask one of them right now, but, okay. um, so I don't know how much you've noticed, but you do work with other retailers. Uh, yeah. a lot of authors, are paranoid about this 30 day cliff on Amazon plus a 60 day cliff and an 80 cliff and a 14 day cliff and all sorts of cliffs. Amazon has lots of cliffs. (laughs) Um, Amazon has a lot of cliffs. Yeah. (laughs) How much, (laughs) how much does frequency of release affect wide sales? Is there a sweet spot where you're not releasing too quickly or where you're releasing um, not too slowly, all of that I, that you've noticed. I got to be honest with you, I, and I can only really speak on this topic. I can only really speak from personal experience because uh, I don't have numbers from, um, I sh- maybe I should look into this. Uh, I don't have numbers from um, uh, the other retailers uh, for other authors. But, you know, my experience was I did rapid release on all the platforms outside of Amazon and didn't see a nudge at all. Um, so it's not like Amazon. Amazon... So Amazon uh, is unique in that they're they're actually, you know, in many ways they're not a retailer. <laughs> I know that's hard that's hard to understand for some people, but they're more of they're they're sort of they're data driven and they're 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 a search engine with with a sales tool attached, you know. Um, and so the cliffs and everything, you know, they've got you know, hear about the the all powerful. Uh, uh, Amazon algorithm and everything. Um, you know, they've got a system for funneling work to their readers that they know is going to sell. Um, now I, I hate that process of the whole, like after 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, you know, things just sort of drop, drop, drop. Uh, I'm like, it was selling so well for you before. Why wouldn't you continue to promote this? But the other retailers don't have anything like that. Now, as far as I've been able to determine, um, even when they do promotions, you can barely find them. Uh, so, you know, they have their, their internal lists and things and they'll promote to that. That's it. I don't ever see the cliffs, uh, thankfully, but I also don't see the plateaus or the, or the meadows or, uh, even the valleys. I don't see any of it with, uh, with some of the other retailers, but what I, what I have discovered though, is, um, in terms of longevity, these other retailers, that's where their strength is. So unlike Amazon, they don't do the big major push where you get 
spikes in sales. Um, you don't really see much of that. But what does happen for me is the more books I put out and the longer those books are there, the, the more of a return I see. And if you do get into promotions, um, Apple in particular really likes to promote books that are part of a large series. So if you have, uh, if you have several books in a series, that's where you're going to see some strength with an Amazon. Oh, I'm sorry, an Apple promotion. Um, the other platforms I can't really say for sure. I mean, we've, uh, we've got, uh, promotions that go on with those platforms as well. And I hardly ever see sales on some of them. Uh, Kobo can be pretty good. Um, but you know, most of the others, it's just sort of, you're there. I mean, you know, it's just about being there. Uh, and I, I'm a big fan of put your book out there in as many places as possible, even if it's not selling. I've never understood, by the way, this is a pet peeve of mine. I've never understood the authors who are like, well, I wasn't getting any sales on that platform. So I pulled all my books, you know, <laughs> like, okay, well, now you're not getting any sales on those platforms and you won't because you don't have a book there. So that's never made any sense to me. That's stupid, by the way. If you're doing that, that's stupid. I don't mean to make you feel bad about yourself, but you should feel bad about yourself because that's a stupid thing. Sorry. <laughs> that's hilarious. That is my pet peeve. I just can't stand it. Yeah, it's 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 very strange. Particularly, it's not like it's costing you money. Like if you, it was costing you money to be listed right. there, and you weren't making any money, then that yeah, then then delist, I suppose. Absolutely right. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and also you're talking about like putting your stuff everywhere, uh, and also just echoing back to things that Smashwords <clears throat> offers. Um, I had a long exchange with somebody, uh, a fan who uh, got a hold of one, one of my paperbacks and really wanted to read all of my books and not everything I have was available in paperback at the time. So they were like, I yeah. need to find a way to read your eBooks, but I am vision impaired. Like I was using a magnifying glass to read the paperback. Yeah. I can't, I need a screen, something that works with screen readers. And it turns out uh, Smashwords offers a flat text, just a .txt version of books. And yeah. that works fantastic for screen readers. <laughs> and they were like, this person, I, they didn't know about Smashwords. And I was like, well, if you go here and buy it, you can do the text version. They were like, oh, my goodness, they have so many books and it all works for the screen reader. So you never yeah. know what feature uh, will end up being a, a, you know, a, a killer app for somebody. Yeah. And that's, that's a good point. Uh, and, you know, those are those are the little things uh, about this merger that um, are kind of. I don't know, almost heartwarming in a way, because the, those are, those are features that readers and authors alike have come to depend on. Um, and maybe it were a reason they didn't use draft digital, you know, and vice versa. There's got to be something that draft digital did right, uh, <laughs> that uh, Smashwords re- uh, authors will love, but that stuff isn't going away. It's becoming part of a bigger ecosystem and, you know, a greater off offering so that's what's really great about this is you know we're we always talk about how we're we're in this for the authors the proof of this by the way is our business model in particular because we we both both companies settled on a business model in which we make absolutely zero for our work we make nothing at all for our work unless the author sells a book right and at any tool that helps readers discover uh, purchase and read and enjoy those books and discover their new favorite author. Any tool that does that is uh, is just flat out amazing and is exactly why we are better together than we were um, as separate companies. Because we, now we're bringing more of those tools 
to the authors to help them re reach those readers. So um, back to the uh, sort of marketing. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, if you give me rope, I will take oh. it. So yeah, you gotta, you gotta. I led you in. down that path. Don't worry. <laughs> um, so right, we talked a little bit about this earlier, but like, if people, if somebody is, uh, let's say that this merger has got somebody interested enough now that they used to be KU all the way, and now they're like, we're gonna give it a shot. We're gonna, we're gonna move over to to, to the combined Smashwords draft digital, um, and start going wide. Uh, Lindsay was talking about if there's any storefronts that are good to focus on, but do you find that there's any, do you have any insight, I suppose, into just a generalized promotion? Like, obviously when you do a BookBub featured ad, you can put so many storefronts on there. Right. Like, uh, uh, is a general promotional method that doesn't focus on any specific storefront worth pursuing? I don't know that I fully understood the question. I'm sorry. Um, instead of focusing on just one storefront, like again, as Lindsay yeah. was saying, like a Apple's uh, gonna yeah. good return on investment. If you instead just primarily are running ads that go to, like, say the uh, the books to read link that goes uh -huh. to all of your stuff, like, yeah. is there value in just pursuing that completely generalized thing where you were targeting wide as a cohort all, as opposed to almost all my ads? advertising is is on is focused like that personally right uh so i personally see a, a a value to that in in approaching so um i i kind of come from this school of thought that you know readers readers like they like they will either be following an author because they love that author or they're following a genre right that, that there are lots of shades in between those two things, but primarily that's what readers are after. They're either after the re, the author that they already love, and they're going to buy everything that guy or gal writes, um, or uh, you know, you know, like me, I, if Orson Scott Card wrote the phone book, I'd buy copies of it. Um, so they're going to follow that author no matter what they write. But if they haven't discovered that author yet, they're they're primarily going to follow the genre. So you they're not following the store, you know. So advertising there is something to be said for targeted advertising to people who read on Kindle or read on Nook or read on the Kobo Reader, you know, or all the other various platforms or ways that you could narrow that down. That's a very specific way to advertise, and it's effective. But um, you can you can be very successful. Uh, advertising to readers of a specific genre in the same way. I mean, you can, you can niche down. Like if you're a sci-fi reader, um, you may not care about um, sort of the sweeping epic sci-fi and be much more interested in um, time travel stories specifically, or, you know, alternate reality stories or whatever. So you, what you can do is identify the things that are unique about your work and target that instead of targeting readers of Amazon or readers of Kobo, you know, target the thing, the interest of the reader and get them fired up about that. And then when you do that, using a tool like Universal Book Links is a no brainer because you're going to hit all these readers and no matter what platform they're on, they'll, they'll be able to find the book. So um, I'm, I'm actually, from a marketing perspective and marketing just happens to be what I do, um, I'm much more interested in, in uh, narrowing things down in that way. You can argue either way, by the way, which one is more effective. But I, my argument is, why, why target a, a, a retailer? 
because over time that retailer could disappear, could fall out of favor. You know, look at, look at Nook, you know, I don't know how much longer that's going to be around to be honest. I mean, they're the way they're running it, who knows? And in five years, there may not be a Nook platform. And what happens to all those readers at that point? They're still going to want to go read the latest Stephen King or Lindsay Broker or well, whoever their uh, goddess of an author happens to be. They're going to want their dragon stories, damn it. And if they can't get them on Nook anymore, they're going to go to the next best platform, which is what? Might be Amazon. It might be Kobo. You don't know. But if you're if you're targeting interests over platform then you don't have to care which platform they're going to pick that's my take <laughs> yeah i think my my reason for wanting to go straight to the platforms is that uh oh, we would talked about this last week david gogren had actually mentioned it like the yeah. stores like amazon have really um they know how to convert you know yeah. versus landing on the books to read thing you know it's great they're all there but it's not i don't think the blurb is even on there is it yeah is I it think, now? I oh, on the books. Okay. So on the, the sort of intermediary page, no, but maybe it should be, but see, here's the, here's the thing. Here's what I think. Um, authors should be reaching out to us to say, you know, if you had the blurb on the books to read link, it would help with conversion or whatever. Um, and maybe there's a way for us to AB test that we don't do a lot of AB testing right now, but maybe we should. And so when we get feedback like that though, that's when we start putting those things into, into action uh, and we can improve it. And what I really want authors to know is that all those tools, they're not, they're not our babies. They're for you. You should help us shape them to be what you need it to be. Um, Anyway, that's off track. You, you, you've got an absolutely valid point. I would never argue with David Gogren on anything. (laughs) Uh, I think his beard would eat me. But the he's got a very good point in that these storefronts are where they are because they know how to do this conversion. They know how to get readers to buy. Um, and so maybe that's something that we need to learn. But we can't learn it if nobody's using the tools. So, you know, help us out. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it just it was everything's gotten so expensive, you know, when you're paying for click that you really want to convert as good as you can. I absolutely if understand that. If it's yeah. in your newsletter or your Facebook author page where they're already fans, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Well, just here's the books to read link and, and they're all in there. Yeah. But, it's it's a tough world. It's gotten crazy. And um, on that note, are there any mistakes that authors are making that you're seeing on Drafted Digital that they could be doing better to give themselves a better chance when they're uh, on Drafted Digital specifically? Or yeah, when to- they're okay. sending them out into the world. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think um, the the authors who um, use us to, to so like they got a book bub so they want to be in many, as many places as possible but then immediately after they uh delist um that's a mistake uh because when you do that um frankly some retailers and let's just say certain fruit-based retailers uh get kind of mad at you and they won't do promotions with you eventually or they won't even you know, they might even choose to not allow you back on the platform. I mean, that stuff can happen. So um, now that, I don't think that in particular has happened, but denying promotions or ditching your promotions, I know that's happened. So, um, you know, that's a mistake, I think. Um, the whole like, I'm not getting sales there, so I do list, that's a mistake. 
uh, you know, I'm not going to libraries because libraries are stealing or whatever. That's a mistake. I mean, libraries are the bit are one of the best tools for discovery that you're ever going to have because, um, yes, you're probably going to make less through library sales than you would through retail sales. Absolutely. You will. However, almost everyone I've ever known in my life discovered their love for reading at a library first and they discovered their authors they love first. And so I'm poor and I can't afford uh, to buy books regularly. Uh, so I go to my library and check it out. But when I've got a better job, I've got an upgrade in my life. I've discovered, you know, these authors that I love through the library. And now I'm going to go buy their books. I mean, you, what I think the biggest mistake authors make is they don't, they don't think in terms of the long game. You know, they want, they want to pay off now. They want, you know, to make the money now. I understand that entirely, but the law, the, the authors who learn and know how to play long-term are the ones you end up knowing for decades. You end up seeing them around forever because they're the ones who survive. Uh, I can't, I, there are so many authors. I, I think just burn out really quickly uh, never see the kind of success they probably could have seen because all they were concerned about was I need to immediately start making money on this book that I, that I worked so hard for. I get it. You work so hard to write that first book, first 10 books, whatever. Uh, that's a lot of work to put in to not to maybe get a hundred bucks a month. But if you're thinking long-term and wide, you're, you've got greater longevity. Um, that's just opinion, I guess. But I'm starting to kind of see it play out. <laughs> it's, it definitely played out for me. Like that's how I ended up being uh, much more successful than I was the first like five or six years of my career. But I'm seeing it play out with authors on our platform too. Some of the authors that that started with us early, who were just dedicated to being wide early, there's some who are doing extremely well at this point. Like ten years in, like we're celebrating our ten year anniversary in March, right? 10 years in, we've watched some authors grow from zero to hero uh, over that time. So it does happen. Yeah. Back to the library thing. I, I practically lived at the library. (laughs) It's like, I can't even imagine not, you know, not being okay with libraries, you know? Um, I don't get that either. No. Did you have that fear when you were a little kid? Like, um, that you weren't supposed to be in certain parts of the library. That's what I had. <laughs> yes. And I, when I was like 12, 13, I was reading, you know, like Tom Clancy and yeah. like Michael. You felt dirty. That's yes. probably why you fell in love with it. Right. Yeah. Oh, I'm getting yeah. away with something I'm not supposed to. I'm in the dirty <laughs> part of the library. Yeah, no, I absolutely love, I absolutely love the library. We had like, not, what are they called? Subscriptions, memberships or whatever to like our local tiny city. And then we'd have a bigger mm-hmm. one that serviced a few cities and then a bigger one that serviced a lot more. And we were at all three of them constantly yeah. growing up and anyway, good memories there. Um, yeah. So my question, my next question is how do you recommend authors approach book launches? Um, whether working with draft to digital or going direct to these retailers but specifically through draft digital draft to digital and smashwords <laughs> uh, like what you, you want like a a launch plan or something or, or... um okay so <laughs> take yeah, the next hour and uh yeah. just break it down for us <laughs> exactly like yeah perfect <laughs> um so basically uh, a lot of authors they focus only on sorry only on amazon when they're mm-hmm. launching their books 
Um, just like, what are a couple of things that authors usually don't focus on when they're going wide that you think that they should be doing when they go wide? I, I really see that there's, there's kind of two approaches and one depends on whether you've got multiple books out or only launching one or two books, um, you know, right off. Right. So if you've only got like one book, one, I'd say one to three books, we'll say just magic number out of my head. Um, I would probably focus first on launching on Amazon and even making it exclusive on Amazon for, for the 90 days, uh, because that's really your best way to start making some money in the business. But then I would fold that money into improving the books. And then once they're out of that 90 day window, taking them live and doing the same approach as you did with Amazon. Like if you, well, it's hard, you could do pre-orders, right? Not every storefront does pre-orders, but um, through draft to digital, you can set a release up to like a year in advance. And some retailers do have pre-orders. So um, that's what I would do with just like a couple of books or three books is uh, use Amazon for its money, you know, uh, and then, and, and also to work out the kinks, right? Like you learn a lot about launch. You learn a lot about what readers like and don't like. You can, you'll get lots of feedback and reviews and things that you can use to shape the book. So it's, it's like a beta test for the book, right? A beta test that can pay you money. Um, but you also, I think the step I skipped is you need a platform. So make sure that before you even launch the book, you have like a reading list is the uh, or a reading list, a new newsletter uh, subscribers is the best way to go. Uh, so spend your energy and time. If you're going to spend money on anything, spend it on finding ways to bulk up your email list <laughs> before you start. I mean, even before covers and editing, uh, I know that's sacrilege, but before you spend a dime on either of those things, look for ways to build up your reading list. And if that means giving out short stories or begging and pleading people to get on the list, whatever it takes, get that mailing list up to, to uh, speed. And then when you do your launches, no matter what your platform, you stand a better chance of success. But um, if you've got more than three books, um, I would do the same things. I like setting up pre-orders because uh, one, I can set the pre-order price for lower than the retail price. This is me. Okay. I'm just saying what I do. <laughs> um, but uh, I like setting the, the pre-order price lower than the retail price and then letting my reading list know, my mail, mailing list know that on this date, on the pre-order date, it's going up, right? So it's $2.99 now or it's $1.99 now, but on you know March 1st, it's going to be $4.99. So this is the time to buy it. Uh, this is my special gift to you. Tell all your friends, feel free, tell everyone, you know, and I always tell people to share widely, like in every email, I've got a note that says, please share this with everyone you've ever met your entire life. Right. Uh, let them know about this special deal. Uh, take advantage of me, rip me off, but you know, build that, that up as much as possible. And then when the pre-order hits, you know, change the price, boost that up. And what's nice about that is, especially on Amazon, when you do that, like it gets that halo effect of it just launched to high sales. So it's probably going to be up in the top, you know, 10 on whatever list it's on. And then you spike the price. Well, that means that 
all those people who just discover, hey, there's a brand new book out that everyone's excited about, then they go buy it. Now you're making even more uh, than you were before. That, that has worked for me on Amazon and um, pretty much every other platform, at least to some degree. And then for the next, you know, um, say 30 days, you know, I have emails that go out to my list that remind them, you know, every, every few days I have an email that goes out and says, you know, Hey, remember just launch this book, tell your friends. Uh, and we continue to do that and same on social. And then at about 60 days, it, that kind of levels off. Um, and I, you know, I, I do periodically remind them, but the, what I tend to do at about six, between 60 and 90 days is send the email that says, if you bought that book and you really liked it, here's the rest of my list. And then uh, they, they, you know, the, the, if they like the book, they'll go buy the other books. So, and then of course you have calls to action in the back of the book that tell them to buy previous or next or whatever. Um, what's really good as a launch strategy, by the way, is to have, if you can hold out, which I've been terrible about in my career, but if you can hold out on releasing your books until you've got like three of them stacked up, and then you set pre-orders for all three at about 60 days from each launch. That's a huge way to, to really boost your, uh, your sales across the board on all platforms. Like that, that, that's much bigger. Like people like that much more. They, they know that there's another book when they're done. And so they go buy that pre-order. And then when that pre-order hits, they know there's another one. And, and they may just buy all of them at one time. Uh, especially if you're discounting. So, and in fact, I use that, I've used that trick before. I wish I were more disciplined about it where I could do it every time, but I like, I like to just release as soon as I can. <laughs> I'm very, I'm very, uh, you know, I'm impatient. So anyway, that's a kind of strategy. It's probably David Gochran would probably disagree with that strategy. He's much, he's much better at that stuff than I am. And, and then his beard will eat you or whatever beard, it was he said earlier. His beard will eat me. I love David Goggin. I don't know if I've made that clear. He's one <laughs> of my favorite people. Anytime he and I hang out at a conference, it's a, we remember about 60% of hanging out together and the other 40% is just a blank, but um, <laughs> <laughs> he's a great guy. Yeah. Okay. So um, one last question for me before I hand it off to Joe, but um, so do you recommend, so say there's an author who has like 50 books that have all been exclusive. Do you recommend they like set those all up for pre-order when they decide to go wide and have them stagger release? Or do you yeah. just, is it better to just put them all out right away? No, I would, I would stagger them. Okay. Um, I mean, there is kind of an argument to be made that releasing a ton of them at one time would probably get you a bunch of sales. Uh, but the sort of, in, the anticipation is uh, nothing I would sneeze at. I mean, I, you know, do it regularly though. The reason I would say to do that is because the retailers like it. Okay. So you're much more likely to get a little bump and some juice from, you know, say Apple. Um, now I'm talking out of school here on this. Cause I mean, Apple's going to do what Apple does, but you know, if you could, if you can land a promotion on that first book, so they do these promotions that are like, um, what's it called? Um, most anticipated or something like that, you know, and, and it's about books that are upcoming. Uh, and if you go to draft to digital, we have a form uh, now. Wish I could remember the URL. I'm sorry. Uh, but you could reach out to our support team for the URL and it will um, let you register 
your books, uh, sign up and say, I want to be alerted to promotions. Okay. Uh, the promotions form, uh, they're going to yell at me for not remembering it. But um, if you were to set things up and you get a promotion on a most anticipated book or a new bo- book release, and then that book has pre-orders already set up, like I do three at a time, you know, and then as, as each second book releases, I do three more, you know, if you've got 50 books, you can do this. Um, there, the retailers are going to like that because it sh- for one, it shows that you are consistent. Like you're going to continue to produce books and they, they like to produce, promote a series. Uh, Apple and Apple really likes if you have a lot, a whole series in there actually. Um, so they, they may prefer it that you release several at a time. What you could do, what, what, what might work great is release three of them at a time. If you've got 50 books, you can do this. Like release three books at a time in rapid succession, at least, like maybe within a week of each other, and then set up pre-orders for like every 30 days. Something like that would probably be very beneficial to you. And the, the readers really appreciate it. Um, I guess actually when I think about it, the best advice is to give the reader something to read next <laughs> right away if you can do it, you know. But I do like staggering the releases because um, that little bit of wait time, you know, if they loved that first book, they'll, they'll stick around and they'll help promote it because word of mouth uh, will get out there. So, Okay. And a quick follow-up question. So sure. um, I've got, you know, between 50 and 75 titles that um, when I went, when I went through my big burnout, I pulled them all from being wide because I could no longer manage a backlist. And I went to only Amazon because I couldn't manage a backlist at all. <laughs> um, I, my goal is to go wide again in the next year or two. Yeah. Um, some of, a lot of those books never gained traction anywhere, but on Amazon, which is why one reason why I didn't feel guilty pulling them from being wide, even though like I hit the USA today list with a couple of the firsts in those series, I released yeah. them so far later and I didn't do anything with my launches cause I was falling apart. Um, anyway, so the, the later books in the series didn't do as well. Um, but so my question <laughs> is with those books, should I set them up as pre-origin? This is for anybody who's been wide and is going wide again. Should I, set them up as a pre-orders and new books if they don't have any reviews or, or I mean, what would you do in that case? Yeah. Since you're coming into a platform cold um, starting, I wouldn't do the first book as a pre-order in that case. Right. Like I would just, re- I would just set up and release with two pre-orders ready to go, you know? And uh, uh, I would definitely call out that they were USA today, bestsellers and, and things like that. Um, and then I would just try, try to get as much promotion on that first book as you can, you know, get, get a, if you can get a feature deal on BookBub, that's fantastic. But even just BookBub ads would probably be beneficial. Like put it on, put it on sale for a while. And that's by, by the way, uh, draft digital has their um, pro- promotions tool where you can actually set a sale price for time. So, you know, between you know tomorrow and three weeks from now, you know you can set it up as a sale price. So um, you could kind of treat that like a pre-order in a way, like it's available for sale. But f- f- you know between now uh, until March fifteenth, this book is going to be dollar ninety nine or whatever, um, and do this and, and match that on Amazon, uh, and then promote the crap out of it. You know, put get a BookBub ads, Facebook ads. Anything you can uh, you can snag. Do all the promotion sites, 
you know, bargain booksy and things like that. Do do everything you can to really bump up the sales of that on that particular platform, especially especially Apple. Um, and then uh, have the other two books waiting in, in pre order pre order. Uh, but make the fir- the first the second book in that series release kind of quickly, like no more than thirty days for sure. But like you've got that that first book and you got it on sale for fifteen days out of that month. You know, put the pre order up to, for like twenty days to thirty days out, and then the next one is thirty days out, and so forth. And I think I think that will have an impact. Like I've I've done things like that, especially on Apple and. Um, and that that extra bit of promotion really gets their attention, you know, especially if you're emphasizing Apple, by the way, it sounds petty, but these retailers, they look like on your website, on your social media, like they're looking to see, you know, are you promoting Amazon over Apple? You know, they look. So if you want to do well in Apple, make sure that your verbiage on uh, your, your web presence says Apple you know, and, uh, and, and focus on, and I would, I would definitely focus more on Apple than probably any other retailer. Cause if anybody's going to give you a shot at, at uh, matching Amazon, it's going to be Apple at this point. Yeah. Apple is definitely uh, not, not for the last couple of years, but Apple for me has, has done a lot of pretty impressive uh, uh, promotion, like yeah. stuff like noticeable. Mm-hmm. And I don't even have an Apple product. Like I was doing battle with the Windows version of iTunes, and I could still see this stuff. <laughs> um, so yeah. I, I'm gonna. I had a more broad question here. I'm gonna sharpen it up a little bit. But we were talking about back matter earlier. Yeah. And back matter is a sort of thing that there's a thousand different things you can put in your back matter. And I have done a ton of different versions of back matter. It's one of the only things that I really haven't A B tested. Like I haven't assessed which of the versions that I've done worked best. Yeah. So. Uh, like we'll give three examples and you can just see if you have any sort of insight into them. Sure. Uh, would you consider like linking just the next book in a series, uh, linking the entire series or linking your entire catalog? Like I've done all three of these things. Like what, what do you think is a, is a, is a winning back matter strategy? I mean, you're, you're, you're also by page is your whole catalog. So there's no real need to advertise it. You should have an also buy page, right? Um, and, you know, most people like Vellum lets you do that front and back and use Vellum. You know, that's probably not a bad idea. No one will ever see it in the front because every retailer skips all the front matter and goes straight to the chapter one or the preface, right? Uh, so, so put it in both though, because some people kind of go back and they want to see the copyright or whatever. I don't know. People are weird, but um, so have your also buy page, have it up to date. We can auto update your also buy page, by the way, at Drafts Digital, if you do it through us. Um, I, th- I, aver- I typically advertise the next book, um, unless I'm at the, the newest one, and then I advertise the series, right? But I, I'm kind of looking at, um, I've been thinking about this for a while now, and I think I'm going to retool those because I create an actual image ad in the back of the book for that stuff. Uh, I'm kind of thinking like, there's no reason I couldn't advertise the next book and the series, like, you know, sort of a hero book. And down here is a little blurb about the series with maybe four or five of the covers in thumbnail, you know, 
Um, I'm, I'm going to try that. I, that that's, that's not fair to say that because that's not really advice at this point because I haven't done it. Uh, but just gauging by what I have seen, like people really respond to those those ads for the next book and the same for the series. So um, I don't see any reason why you couldn't combine the two. And I think it would be very effective. It's something that I've been planning to do. I've just been too lazy to, to get to it. I've had too many uh, acquisition announcements to plan uh, to, get, to get to it. So I hope that that answered your question. I mean, I, I wish I had a more solid answer, but that I would recommend doing both, you know, call out the next one and, and, and then make sure people know that there's a series because sometimes they don't realize all right. Yeah, you cannot trust that the readers will just go to your website and right. <laughs> look, look at your awesome page or whatever you've created on there. <laughs> right. Some do, but uh, some are just like, oh, guess that was the last book. That's it. Mm-hmm. Next author in the stack. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you for spending so much time tonight with us. Uh, I know you're looking like you're pretty ready to hit the bed. <laughs> I think it's after nine people, in uh, Texas. People say things like that. I, I must look terrible. <laughs> you were just looking, gazing longingly toward like where your bedroom probably is. <laughs> I'm a, I'm definitely an early person. Like I, I'm an early riser. So, you know, you know, this is my turn to pumpkin hour uh, around nine o'clock. So. Yeah. Well, thank you for all the information today. And do you want to let people know where they can find drafted digital and mm. also anything about you're a thriller author. We have some thriller readers possibly in the audience. If you okay. want to read your books. Yeah. Uh, well, draft to digital, it's draft to digital.com. That's draft the number two digital.com. Although I think we have the, the near miss. Uh, if so, however you want to spell it, it's probably fine, but uh, we are, we have that number two in our name. Uh, that's going to be all things. And there's all kinds of things that are very useful for the authors there, including our podcast and, live stream stuff of the blog is, is uh, really on point. So if you are looking at getting into the business or you want to improve what you're doing, I think that's a great resource. And then if you're interested in me at all, uh, Kevin Tomlinson.com has all things come to, including drafts digital. So you can actually find it through there if you want, but yeah, go, go check it out, drop in, use the contact form, say hello. I will say hello back. But do you have an 800 number? I think we were talking about that before we hit record. Yeah. <laughs> that might have been before. Yeah. So, yeah, I need an 800 number. I, 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 have a, I have a number that I used on my show for a long time that no one ever called. Uh, so maybe I could, you know, repurpose that. Give me a shout out. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for the information. And I'll also put the links to your site and Drafted Digital on our website if people want to check the show notes and surf on over there sixfigureauthors.com with the number six thanks everyone y'all later so long everybody